Welcome to the Science of Fiction. Uh, I'm Will Thompson, and I'm joined today by Andy Howling. Hello! And quantum physicist Michael Conterio, who, if you were listening to Burst the Bubble, you will recognise his voice. Hello! Um, so Michael works at the Cavendish Lab and apparently tries to make physics useful for things. Uh, yes, and uh, trying to get individual particles light that we can use for quantum communication. Whoa. Yeah, why? Why? Why would you want to do that? Uh, it's basically just a way of keeping your, making sure your communications are perfectly secret. Uh, okay. Okay, I, 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 just, I just don't want to use photons. Why, why, why do you not want to use photons? I've, I've decided today I'm prejudiced against photons. <laughs> yeah, this is, the, this is a prejudice-free radio show, Andy. Oh, okay, I'll, I'll let it go then. You're getting hit by a huge number of photons right now. Oh, they hit me all the time. It, it's bullying. <laughs> so, so, so today we're going to be talking about um, qu- quantum computing, quantum things? Quantum in general. Qu- quanta in general, perhaps. Uh, well, quantum physics in general, or quanta in general, yeah. yeah. Okay.
So that was uh, Walking on Sunshine by Katrina and the Waves. I really like the fact that Michael, you provided that copy from the 101 Housework Songs collection. It was a cheap CD with lots of cheesy music on that I like, including that classic. So what, what you're trying to imply is that housework involves quantum mechanics. Uh, no, I, I'm um, implying that um, quantum mechanics involves lots of waves. Um, Katrina and the waves. Ah. Uh, well, and also sunshine is, a, is light, with photons, which contains photons, like yeah. what I'm dealing with in my research. So, so it's, got, it's got two links. So uh, is, is light a wave or is light a particle? No. Is that, the was, answer. that was the opposite answer to the answer I was expecting you to give. Ah, because uh, this, is, this is one thing that gets talked about a lot, the wave-particle duality, which is that in, in some cases light seems to behave as if it's a particle. Um, different colours of light have particles of different amounts of energy, which is why um, UV light is more dangerous than infrared light to us, because UV light has um, more energy per particle. And a, and a higher frequency? Yeah, yes, the, the, the so, frequency so, so, that gives the energy per particle. Right. And a higher abundance have been found in nightclubs with bad music. <laughs> there, 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 there was some, there were some UV lights at the uh, Corn Exchange last night, and there were there was good music there. Yeah, it's, it's a probabilistic thing. Okay, like all quantum mechanics. Uh, I, I suppose there's, there, there's a stronger correlation between UV and bad music than no UV and bad music. Exactly, uh, but also um, there's obviously light behaves like a wave. It, it um, diffracts, it refracts, and it reflects, which are characteristic of waves but the whole thing about quantum mechanics is it turns out that neither of those pictures on their own are entirely accurate and so we, we use we say wave particle duality because it acts like both a particle and a wave but what it can what it is is really neither and it's kind of what we call a quantum wave function which again has a bit of a confusing name because it's, it's a bit wave-like in that it's continuous but it doesn't act just like in the waves that we think of. It doesn't act like, like a wave in the sea. So am, am I right in thinking that this is, this is a function which determines the probability that um, a photon will be in any given place at any given time? Uh, yeah, the, the, if you square the wave function, okay. then you get the probability um, in that lo- of, of, of the particle seeming to be measured in that location. But there's actually a lot more to it than that. You can get all sorts of things like the momentum of the particle uh, from the wave function, the, the spin, which I might mention later, which is a quantum mechanical effect and of the particle that's all inside the wave function. And so the wave function, we believe, completely describes everything. About about this particle about, by, e- about every particle about, yeah about every every particle every um, but um, the wave function is, has a value everywhere effectively so the photon has to go everywhere through the universe to get to where it wants to go to uh, well in in a sense it's not really going it, the, the, it's the, already the, there the, the wave function is there but but mostly mostly the wave function is actually zero most 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 most, most of kind the, of a little bit. So quantum, uh, probably the most misused word at the moment. Well, one of many, many things. Oh, it, it really irritates me. I was in, uh, I went to the Strawberry Fair here, and someone was having quantum enhanced water. Was and it, it just, it just, it just felt like they were just using the word quantum to mean magic. It does. It means science magic, but still magic. I mean, the, the example I can think of when I was thinking of where it's been misused is. Um, Peter F. Hamilton, who's a science fiction writer, wrote the book uh, Quantum Murder. And because he's a science fiction writer, you kind of think he's going to actually know what the word means, and he probably does, but he didn't care, and he doesn't write very hard, hard sci-fi either, and it's part of a trilogy of books about a character called Greg Mandel, who is a psychic ex-English army officer. So you see, it's, it's, it's clearly hardcore sci-fi here. And... Uh, 
Yeah, and it, it goes lots of things. Like, he, he can obviously do some going to people's minds. There's another character who can see the future, and that's done through wormholes, so that's got its scientific explanation there. But... At, at no point does quantum ever have anything to do with the murder, except for the fact that it's it's sci-fi. So he stuck the word quantum in front of it. Yeah, the, the, the word quantum basically literally just means a, a, an amount, a, a finite amount of something. I mean, it tends to use small. Um, it doesn't actually technically have to be small, but well, that's why you have a quantum does. leap. Yeah, is, is, a, is a leap that comes in a step rather than a small, a gradual change, which is, and that's exactly why the only example I can think of a movie which uses the word quantum is a quantum of solace, and that is actually correct. But of course, that's based on a book that was probably written before quantum mechanics had the same popularity has now, if it even exists. I don't know when quantum of solace was written. It's a Bond story, but doesn't even have Bond in it except for as a passing character. Which, which, which Sometimes the the best kind of stories in in a universe is when you have the um, the, the protagonist is just a, just a tangential figure. Well, the story is, as far as I know, I've not actually read it myself, but a lot of this came out when the movie came out. Is uh, one way we're desperate to find a title, and the other thing is that it's a story which looks at how Bond's actions interact with the world around him. So basically, he's doing his things, and other things are going on normally. And of course, he's quite a disruptive influence. And. Well, I guess the, the other show that uses this, um, you know, this, this occasional forays into what this character ha- what impact the character has on the world is Doctor Who, which is also not the best at using t- terminology correctly. You know, it's like, oh, there's quantum fluctuations, which mean we can't go to New York because reasons. Yes, magic. Yeah, it's one of those things where quantum is u- misused all over the place, and I kind of have a sliding scale of how annoyed I get about it. I mean, if it's if it's in in the middle of a sci-fi show in, inside a, a good set of technobabble, I mean, you, the really the, the the ones where you've got so many science words, you know that they don't. Act, this this doesn't actually mean anything at all. There is no way this can mean anything at all, but it sounds sciency. And so, adding the it's, word quantum gives it that extra punch. Yeah, that, that's that that I'm, I'm kind of like. Okay, you're misusing it, but I can cope with that. People people use all different words and misuse words. That's fine, but it's when people start using it to try and sell products and technologies and Such when, 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 when actually, to some extent, everything that we have is quantum. Because when one of the key results of quantum physics is effectively when you when you have lots of things interacting together, um, when you have high energy, high temperatures. Like we, we live in a high temperature world. I mean, room temperature is a high temperature for physics. Um, it's a very very high temperature for physics. You're very cold people. <laughs> Thank you for that. I, 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 and uh, and and but when you get up to that high numbers and high temperatures all of your quantum equations effectively reduced down to what we're used to seeing. Because all, because all the weird and crazy factors um, trend towards zero? Well, or, or that, 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 or they, they, they um, not, not necessarily tend towards zero, but they tend towards something. I mean, guys, okay. semiconductors use quantum physics. They're designed with quantum physics in mind. But you can describe what they actually do, like in a transistor, very simply. Uh, after that, and you don't have to know about all of the quantum physics anymore. So does this mean if we, we take a, a band, a classical music band, following classical mechanics, and then put it in a very cold location, say Alaska, it becomes a quantum band? Uh, it split up into quantum levels if it was cold enough. I, I almost hate to ask, but your scale of, um, of judging th- people from misusing the word quantum, is it discrete or is it... Uh, <laughs> I'm not actually considering it in that detail. I really should. It, it probably is discrete. There are a couple of categories that people can go in. So uh, there we go. There's, there's a few quanta.
quantum world can be a touch absurd Describable in numbers but nonsense in words Where waves are really particles and particles are blurry What can we infer from all of this? Everett said that there are infinite realities The Copenhagen explanations sound like insanity With consciousness affecting wavy particle dualities The actualities are rather mysterious There's a principle there ain't no denying So learn from Werner Heisenberg and you will be flying If you want a formula that you can rely on Then I got one for you With Heisenberg's uncertainty principle You can be uncertain for sure With Heisenberg's uncertainty principle You know where you are What's more, if you know where you are You will know your momentum Even if your Neil's born He's smart, but you can certainly be certain How uncertain you are, sir With Heisenberg's uncertainty law You're measuring little things There's a limit to how accurate you're measuring It's defined by an equation The equation really swings So I'll sing it and you can see The standard deviation of the positions in precision Times the standard deviation of the momentums in precision Is greater than or equal to Planck's constant over two It's the same for time and energy It is a principle, there ain't no denying So learn from Werner Heisenberg and you will be flying If you want a formula that you can rely on Then I've got one for you With Heisenberg's uncertainty principle You can be uncertain for sure With Heisenberg's uncertainty principle You know where you are And what's more, if you know where you are You can know your momentum Even if your Neil's born He's smart You can certainly be certain How uncertain you are, sir With Heisenberg's uncertainty law Oh yeah He's one swinging cat But he's glad he ain't Schrodinger's cat So that was the legendary Johnny Berliner with Heisenberg's Uncertainty Law. So, so, so Heisenberg's Uncertainty Principle is, is, is related to the, to the, to the uh, wave function, right? Yeah, yeah. It's um, something one of, the, one of the key bits of results of quantum physics is that there is a limit on how accurately you can measure some variables which are like coupled together in pairs. So the, the main one being... Um, Location of a particle and its momentum. Momentum being like mass times velocity. Right. It's actually more complicated than that, but we don't care about relativity for now. We'll <laughs> yeah, that, that makes things more complicated. Let's keep it simple. Yes. <laughs> I, I want my brains to work at the end of the evening. K- keep it just as simple as something being in one place and then miraculously being in another place. <laughs> so, so, so quantum teleportation. Is, this, this, this is a thing where, uh, where, where, you, where, where you, you stand on a magic pad and then you press a button and suddenly you're on Mars. Uh, that, that's what happens in Star Trek. But, I thought uh, that was actually the premise of Doom, the movie. <laughs> the premise of a number of movies, or, or, or maybe even uh, 
What's that film where they accidentally t- uh, teleported to hell? Event uh, Horizon. Event, yeah, that that was. Mm. Although I think they, I think they folded the, the fabric of space time. Yeah, they were get, trying to go faster than light, which clearly is a really stupid thing to try and do. You know, it's it's just dangerous breaking those laws of physics. You know, someone's going to catch up with you and prosecute you. But um, in regards to actual teleportation of matter in how they do it in Star Trek and stuff, that that as far as we can tell is basically never going to be possible and Heisenberg's uncertainty principle is the reason because if you think about all, all the little atoms and molecules that make up you uh, they'll all be moving and, st- and also so when you're teleporting people you need to know both where they are now and also in which direction they're moving where, where their momentum is pointed and if you can't know both of those accurately then imagine you know both of those accurately then you won't be able to accurately reconstruct the person at the other end so you might have a kind of fuzzy facts blurry version of someone uh, quite possibly yeah and uh, also there's the fact that you'd have to encode massive ridiculously massive amounts of information there's all the philosophical questions is it really you etc etc yeah. but um on star trek um for their teleporters, they have a Heisenberg compensator, uh, which has been uh, invented by the writers, which explains how they're able to send all of these particles whizzing uh, without any un- uncertainty in their position and momentum. Well, there's plenty of uncertainty. That's about 50% of the episodes. The person ends up somewhere they didn't want them to go. It's the most unreliable form of transport there is. At least it's not as bad as the holodeck. Yeah, the holiday is the other 50% of episodes. Um, yeah, because, I mean, it's also weird, because it's, it's random how it works. Some days you get turned to mush, sometimes you end up in parallel universes where everyone has beards, and sometimes a duplicate copy of you gets made to come back 50 years in the future to haunt you. Uh, duplicates are one thing that we, def- that we definitely can't do normally with quantum physics. There's actually a, a thing called the no-cloning theorem, which says mathematically if you, uh, if you start with a particle in a certain quantum state with a certain wave function, you can't create another particle in that exact same wave function without destroying the first wave function. So you can't you can't just like create infinitely many, many copies. You can destroy one and create another, but you can't clone so it. This is, this is different from Dolly the sheep, though. Yeah, this is this is just uh, copying like, the wave function. Kind of like wh- wh- which what's like which of course uh, describes everything about the particle. As I said before, its energy, its momentum, etc. Right. So. But, but I guess this, this this implies that um, quantum teleportation, in as much as it actually is a thing, um, is not actually moving a particle from one place to another. It's uh, causing a particle somewhere else to have the exact same state as a as a particle somewhere, which is destroyed. Is the particle destroyed in the process, or is it just made incoherent in some way? Uh, it, it, it's um, just changed. It, okay. the, the way function of that is changed in such a way that you you you. you you get a thing called, which is called wave function collapse when you take a measurement, mm-hmm. which means that the wave function, you, which can have so you have so many infinite different different wave functions you can have. Uh, although if you're in a system, that the number that you can have becomes much smaller because of the quantum effects of the system. That's what actually decides what you have. But you you have mixtures of these in the in the same particle, and when you measure it, it just picks one of them. And so the mixture of wave functions is what you actually wanted. That, 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 that was the real wave function that you wanted to te- teleport. But when you measure it, it flips to just one bit of that. And so that's a different, so that's a different wa- particle quantum state to the one that you've sent to a particle somewhere else. So, and, and so the, the state that you wanted to, to capture and send somewhere else doesn't exist here anymore. It's been, yeah. it, 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 it's been destroyed. You've, you've collapsed it into a different state. But people have done this, haven't they? Quantum teleportation oh, is achievable. I mean, which... 
So we've got teleporters. They're just really, really small and really, really useless. Well, for yeah. people. Well, I mean, I, I, maybe I can use one in my telephone soon, but... Yeah. I mean, the key thing is that... Um, you're, when you're teleporting something as well, you don't get like a stream of information going through your computer telling you what it is that you're teleporting. You don't know what quantum state you're teleporting unless you knew what it was before, because you've set it up. So, is there a use to this at all, except for making really, really small teleporters, which sounds awesomely cool? Um, it could be useful in uh, quantum computing for getting for moving information information around those. Also, like when you're trying to remove something in your memory of your computer, you might want to remove, sorry, move the quantum state of a particle to another one. Yeah. And, can, and is this something we can use for communication uh, to, to send to send data you know, across the Atlantic without having to send it send it down a uh, cable under the sea? Uh, well, um, with quantum communication, what we're doing there is it's we're encrypting. Um, a normal signal. It's, it's a bit misnamed in some senses. So, but what we're doing is we're using um, the fact, as I mentioned earlier, when you try and measure something in the quantum world, it collapses into a certain state. Mm -hmm. And because of this, um, because of this collapse, you can actually tell if someone is intercepting your quantum particles, which like particles of light, photons, that you're sending to the other person to create your key. And you can basically then go. Well, I won't use that bit, that key. I'll I'll send some more. So this key. Is, so this is using a key. So you're you're still using you know a fiber optic cable or something down which you can send photons. Yeah. Um, as as we do today, but you can tell if they've been tampered with along the way. So you can't stop people tampering, but you can detect it and 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 stop people intercepting your communications, but you can't stop them breaking them. Yeah, well. you, you can't stop them blocking them. Right. It's all it is is that you you know that the message. Well, basically, you're not the um, quantum stuff that you're sending is random, and mm -hmm. you've you've measured you you get random knots and knots and ones in different measurement bases. So if you imagine like a plus and a multiply sign, mm -hmm. so on the plus the vertical line might be a zero and the horizontal line a one, and then with the cross with, with the multiplication sign, uh, the one that starts at the top left is a zero and the one that starts at the top right is a one. And you randomly send particles with the polarizations of you, you. You flip a coin effectively to pick naught or one, and you flip another coin to work out whether you're going to do a plus or a cross. And then you send the appropriate photon down, and then the other person will get those photons, measure them, and be able to know whether it's naught or one. And then you check with some part of those measurements that you've that you've got the same. And if you haven't got the same, then you've got someone eavesdropping, and you just you just get rid of it. But if you if if they're not being eavesdropping, you take the rest of your signal and use that to create your encryption key. And this encryption key, because you only use it once, you, you you have to have a zero or one for each bit of data that you send. You want to send down your normal communication line uh, because you're only sending this once. There's no way of hacking it because it looks like perfectly random noise, which is ideal for an encryption key. Yeah. And so, so this is so this is not actually um, changing the the way that the, the, the data itself is sent. It's just solving the key exchange problem of not being able to securely send your code book full of a bajillion random numbers to someone without the post office reading it. Yeah. So it means I know someone's opened my letter. Uh, no, it means that um, you, you're. I mean, you're trying to send your. Well, my my letter is my key book. Right, so, 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 so you, you know, yeah. you know your yeah. keybook hasn't been intercepted, yeah. and hence it doesn't matter if your encrypted messages are intercepted. Yeah, basically, yes. yes. Um, there, there is um, quantum entanglement, which some people talk about using for communications. Um, 
because it's this is where two particles have wave functions which are linked together and changing taking measurement on one of the particles will change the wave function of the other particle and this seems to happen this seems to this this seems to transmit instantaneously which which would break relativity and causality and make everything not make sense uh, apart from the fact that n- no information is exchanged it doesn't actually cause anything useful to happen at the other end that you could actually use for communication hmm that's kind of, that's kind of mind bending yes so things regularly go faster than light if they don't communicate information there's it's the other example which is far less funky is the idea of phase velocity and actual velocity so if you have a wave going through space uh the wave itself is nothing the particles aren't moving faster than the speed of light but the phase velocity i.e the wave the waves are moving that pattern that pattern can be moving faster than the speed of light but that pattern is a function all the way across the wave uh and that can quite happily go faster than the speed of light but there's no information there it's just a property of the overall medium so so so, so it's it, it's the, the, the medium has a state, but it's not useful to anyone. Yeah. So, um, uh, so if a good way to experience a phase loss is if you have two sounds at the same time, they interfere, and you'll hear us all it going up and down in pitch, or as the fa- that changes. Well, that the, how quickly that phase velocity appears to be travelling with the wave going forward is the phase velocity, but that isn't you know that that's constant. It's there's nothing useful about information. You can't sa- if you try and send a message, you find the message still takes the speed of light. Okay. Well, if Listeners, if you've, if you've understood this better than I have, then you, you can get in touch through a number of completely insecure communication me- methods. You can email studio at camfm.co.uk. You can use the little web form on the player, or you can text cam plus your message slash question to 80809, which will cost you 10 pence. i
So that was You Know My Name by Chris Cornell, uh, which I'm reliably informed is a Bond theme. Yes, it's from Casino Royale. Which, which I've managed to not watch. Well, uh, you missed a movie. It's sitting on my shelf. I'll, I'll get around to it. What format? DVD. Yeah, just not keeping up there. Should, I mean, it, should, it should be Blu-ray? Well, it should. You need to get the best laser you can. Lasers? <laughs> Why lasers? Seamless. Yes, yeah, so I, I chose this song um, because the Bond series often has lasers, and generally speaking, these lasers do things which no laser can uh, in the real world. Uh, but um, all lasers uh, are based upon um, quantum physics principles. Um, they all emit a single um, wavelength of light, single energy, physical, same frequency, same energy of light, and the colour of these um, lasers is determined by the transition inside the atoms and that's all determined by uh, the energy levels of the electrons which are determined by quantum physics. Do you actually mean atoms or do you mean molecules? Uh, uh, I thought lasers can happen inside a molecule. Um, mostly, mostly it's molecules as well. <laughs> yes, um, I, I said atoms because um, I've, I'm a product of having done a physics degree, where most of the times you you do the first approximation, which is the uh, hydrogen atom, then you have a second approximation, and then you give up. So, 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 uh, so, 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 so this is the much smaller scale um, uh, physics approximation, which brought you the spherical chickens, basically. <laughs> a little bit. Well, this is like astronomers, um, well, astrophysicists, more claim that every element heavier than helium is a metal. Which I suppose to a first approximation. If if you only ever look in space, it's kind of true. Not really, but it's kind of true. So lasers. Um, one thing I really remember is I can't remember who it was, but whichever Bond was strapped to a table, and they had a laser coming up to cut him in half. And the actor who was doing it at the time said he was quite slightly worried about this because obviously it was cutting through the metal. He said, "Oh, you don't have to worry. The, the laser won't harm you at all." The thing they didn't, of course, tell him was the fact they had a blowtorch underneath to get the flame effect, so it looked like it was cutting metal, which would do a huge amount of harm. But the laser was just a light. Well, yes and no. Lasers cut. I mean, you can cut metal with lasers. You can go and buy a laser-cut bit of metal for your car. Uh, thing, right. It's like a selling point these days, laser etching. Yes, um, but the, the thing is, um, yeah, there was the other bond where I think it was Goldeneye where he had laser in his laser watch. watch. Um, which you could, which I mainly remember from the Goldeneye computer game, uh, uh, which I'm sure everyone in this room has spent a lot of time playing. I haven't really. No. Oh, you're have... you're missing out. I didn't have an N64. It never stopped me. <laughs> <laughs> but um, the the problem there is the sort of lasers that you need for actually cutting through things have to be much much bigger. So bigger than a watch, bigger than a gun that you could fit in your holster, as in, was it was it Moonraker, where they were in space and had laser guns? Yeah, one of the worst Bond movies in terms of the production, as far as I care. Because it was like, Star Wars was great, let's put Bond in space. It was a bad idea. But it's, presumably that's not, that, that even that's not big enough to be getting on with the... It, you're talking generally like table-sized lasers, that sort of thing, I believe. Ooh, that's disappointing. So I, so I can't, can't fire big lasers at... I don't know. People are annoying me. Well, no, that, that's also illegal. <laughs> <laughs> details, details. Um, and you, you can fire a laser pointer at someone who annoys you. Yeah, as the, long as it's not in their eyes. Don't try this at home. Uh, so, there are different um, classes of lasers, and the sort of lasers that upper class, lower class, middle class. No, one, no. one, two, three, and four, and one and two are generally the safe lasers. So, what class of lasers did I have shot in my eyes? Because I had laser eye surgery. I'm not sure. I think there'll probably be three or four if it's actually cutting things. Yeah, it smelt bad. 
This, 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 the, the smell of your eyes burning slightly. They say there'll be an odd smell. It's the smell of burning flesh. Which is not that surprising, given the procedure. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I think we rely on the fact that many people haven't smelled burning flesh. Fortunately. I'm slightly worried about how you have smelled it. Um, oh. Turn on an electric heater in a student room after it hasn't been used for a while. All the, f- all the dust is human flesh, dry human skin, and that on an electric heater, that just burns away. And you get a horrible smell. This has been an eye-opening afternoon for me. You didn't know what that smell was before, did you? Hmm. It's also very similar to the smell of hair being burnt, which if you use lots of hair care stuff, you may have done. But... Hmm. Hmm. But, but <laughs> so Bond having lasers in his in his watch aside, um, there are actually some some space lasers which either exist or could have existed. Well, right? there was the Star Wars project, is called or the Strategic Defense Initiative, which was about having lasers to shoot down ICBMs. And of course, this was a big problem because um, the whole sort of idea of everyone having nuclear weapons relies on the fact that they all can blow each other up. If someone can stop them, that actually means that someone can win the war. Uh, that's awful. Um, this is what happens when you let mathematicians use game theory to define who should have giant weapons. Um, so I don't think any were actually built, but there are things like setting off a nuclear bomb to power the laser, and they were things like X-ray lasers, which are quite quite a lot different to sort of your one in your laser pointer. And and apparently Boeing have a uh, modified plane with a laser in it. Yes. Yeah, so this is because la- so there are real advantages with laser-based weapons. If I want to shoot uh, ICBM. The trouble with doing the bullet is the bullet's going to be affected by gravity, it's going to be affected by wind resistance, it's going to be affected by the curvature of the, of the route it's got to go, you know, it's locked in. Where light generally travels in a straight line. I mean, there's a little... little Planets do make it go a little bit round the corner, but it's a lot easier. It, it's a very, very little bit round yeah. the corner. Like uh, and, and then you have other problems like, you know, the air does sort of cause it to get a little bit dispersed, so you, you have to sort of focus it a bit better and basically put more power behind it but if you can do that it then travels at the speed of light so you you haven't got the problem of missing it so much and if you then can hit your missile you can then blow it up because all you're trying to do is destroy it and certainly with nuclear weapons if you actually just take out the weapon it can't detonate it's, it's quite a complex detonation to happen so the idea was there's this Boeing plane that could shoot out missiles out of the air uh, and it did did work a few times I used it and then they scrapped it because it cost too much money but it was a Boeing 747 with just one laser cannon at the front and relatively few passengers I, I don't know well, maybe there are people in the back having tea going when the evoking apocalypse has come we will be in our laser powered Boeing one of the safer places to be I guess yes if you have a giant laser on your plane then that would be an upper class laser <laughs> lasers, la- lasers in the sky so but the the difference between um the different classes of laser is, is not simply the the wavelength of the light involved, right? No, well, it's mostly the uh, the power. The higher the class of laser, the more powerful it is. Although there is, uh, on the kind of like two to three boundary, um, one of the things that were two is that if it gets shone in you, it, it might be dangerous to your sight, but if it gets shone in your eye, you'll blink and flinch away from it. Uh-huh. Um, but if it's not a visible... Um, colour of light then of course you won't do that right. and so you can have ones the same power that are actually um, a higher class because you won't get out of the way and also um, lasers are used in obviously like CD and DVD players right? and those all tend to be classed as class 1 which is only the safest one um, because it takes into account the fact that they're enclosed in the CD player and this is why they all have uh, labels on saying don't take this CD player, DVD player apart. Also, presumably, they're focused to be really close to where the laser is, because the DVD is only a couple of millimetres at most away. So if you take this DVD out, unless you put your eye 
directly on it is going to be dispersing quite a lot. I don't know. I, I yeah. though, though I suppose if you have taken apart a DVD player, you probably want to look inside and see what's happening, which you shouldn't do. Yes, be totally responsible. Do not take apart your kit. But yeah, I mean, how lasers work is really interesting because it, there's actually um, the, some of the um, coefficients involved in the calculations are the Einstein A and B coefficients because it was the idea of light coming in discrete lumps with a certain energy that he actually won his Nobel Prize for. It wasn't relativity at all. Uh, which surprises a lot of people. Well, that's because relativity means gravity doesn't work, which is a huge problem. Every day I just try and get out of bed, and if I, if I think too hard about relativity, I, d- I don't hit the floor. It's a real issue. <laughs> am, am, am I right in thinking that Einstein was never really that happy with, what, with, with the implications of quantum mechanics? He hated quantum. He said God doesn't play dice, apparently. He said, I don't know if that's one of the things he actually said, because there's more quotes from Einstein than he possibly had time to say in his lifetime. <laughs> It was something um, almost. It, it, I can't remember exactly what what he said. It was along those lines, though, because all, it's all probabilistic. It's just that it happens that by the time that, well, I say it's all probabilistic. There's an equation to determine how probabilistic it is. Naturally. So it's it, it's probabilistic, but it's de- you can determine how the probabilities change. So it's deterministically probabilistic. <laughs> which is a, a mouthful to say and even more of a mouthful to explain. So if that's confused you or you have any questions about whether your cat is dead or alive, please feel free to send them in during this next track. Chase 
the laws of physics. Laws of physics. Laws of physics. Can it change the laws of physics? Laws of physics, Jim. Oh, we come in peace. Shoot to kill. Shoot to kill. Shoot to kill. We come in peace. Shoot to kill. Scotty, beat me up. It's worse than that. He's dead, Jim. Dead, Jim. Dead, Jim. It's worse than that. He's dead, Jim. Dead, Jim. Dead. Well, it's life, Jim, but not as we know it. Not as we know it. Not as we know it. It's life, Jim, but not as we know it. Not as we know it, Captain. So that was Star Trekking by the firm and entirely Michael's fault. Well, uh, 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 Michael being the selector of all the music on today's show. Yes, it's all his fault. But I, 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 why, why is that fault? It's, it's a wonderful song, which I'm not sure I've heard a recording of as opposed to people singing for a really long time. <laughs> I don't want to hang out with your friends if they sing that. Well, it's not often, but it's the kind of thing which, which occasionally is, is, is mentioned, right? So... The, the, one of the lines in that was, uh, you kind of change the laws of physics, but I suppose kind of quantum physics is, well, has, has, it is a new set of laws of physics. Yeah, it's changed our understanding of the laws of physics. Uh, all, of, all of our science is a model of the universe. That's the best we can do. Um, but yes, it was a great change in, in, our, uh, in our understanding, and it was a large discrete change, so we can describe it as a quantum leap. Um, <laughs> So, so what you're telling me is that they basically upgraded the model kit. <laughs> they had, like, the Hornby starter train set, and then you brought along the Quantum Super Express. So, so a, qu- a Quantum train set is one of those ratchet-driven ones, I guess, which are only, only moved by a discrete unit. Yeah, yeah. Right. I mean, I mean, more, more, more as in kind of simulate rather than... Yeah, I, I know. I, I was pushing the analogy beyond acceptable, but that's my point, to be here. But, um, yeah, and... Um, the other reason that I picked that song is because Star Trek, um, obviously, in the future, lots of um, bits and pieces that are advanced technology, or were, at least were advanced technology when the series was, was shown on TV and are now just commonplace. Well, as we discussed um, the other week, they thought you wouldn't solve the Thermos Last Theorem. And then we did. Well, I, we didn't. <laughs> One guy did. Very congratulations to him. Do you think he considered the impact he would have on science fiction canon uh, when, when, when he set about solving that? Maybe that was maybe that was the real reason he wanted to solve Fermat's last like, Maybe he was just rejoicing that he managed to do over Star Trek because it hated it that much. Uh, but but um, the, the key thing that I wanted to talk about in this section was uh, things like smartphones and stuff, all the computers that we've got. Um, they, they come from... They're made of um, semiconductors, which... Um, Basically, in quantum physics, if you have an atom, it has discrete energy levels, individual energy levels. That's what quantum physics gives us, singles levels rather than continuous levels. But if you start putting lots of them together, they all interact and move about. And so if you have a huge number of atoms, like in basically everything that we have, um, you actually have a band um, uh, uh, where you've got almost continuous levels. Oh, by averaging out all the all interactions between right. all of these things, and so whereas before you have something trapped near one atom, one atom, you actually have 
instead of single particles, you kind of have smears of particles across the entire thing. Their wave function is spread out. But so, it, so it, it, if it's in the right mineral, it's a rock band. Uh, we'll, we'll have words with this, Andy. <laughs> um, but actually, um, it turns out for semiconductors, which are interesting ones, where there's a little gap between the bands where the electrons can live. Um, the, the equation, Schrodinger's equation, which is like our equation of nearly everything where it comes to quantum physics, um, we can take into account all of the rest of the atoms and electrons inside this material and just use the equation again with slightly different numbers in. And this is a brilliant result. You just average it all out and it comes down to a nice, simple equation again, uh, which allows us to then think about how we can use this for transistors. So, 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 so this is for distinguishing between the two states which you need to implement computing but, uh, as the, the, the two different levels with the gap in the middle? Uh, but basically, the, the, um, the gap in the middle... If, if we um, have a gap above the energy where all of our electrons are, it's really hard to make electricity flow through these things. Ah, uh, I see, yeah. But if we have a small gap, we can very easily move it between electricity can flow and electricity can't flow. And, um, and, and, thus, and thus you have, you have a gate. And, yes. from, and from that we can build all the things you're using to listen to this. All, all the computer chips. All may, all may, maybe one person has a valve radio. If you have a valve radio, why not, why not write in using the computer you don't have? Yeah, they're, they're sitting there in their nuclear bunker with a valve radio, which should, I don't think any valve radios are made for FM, so they'd have to hand-build it. But, so th does this basically mean that for all the talk of quantum computing, we are using, in a sense, a quantum computer now? Yes, it's just that we're not taking advantage of the quantum weirdness. We're just using quantum knowledge of the quantum systems to work out like new materials that we can use for doing something which, when we get down to it, we explain using other bits of physics. So, so, so it, behave, it behaves in ways which we already understand, uh, but for different reasons. Basically, uh, well, well, but quantum is the yes. reason yes, yeah, uh, yeah, why yeah. it does that, but it's not any of the weird stuff that we only realised existed when we started looking into quantum physics. Um, but nowadays we're, we're coming... There's always Moore's Law saying that um, we're going to double the processing power of memory every 18 months, and people are frantically trying to find ways of making that actually happen. Um, and and that, 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 that's a problem. And there are also some types of problem that computers don't do so well with. Uh, like the one famous one is called the travelling salesman problem, where someone's going to try and visit all these different locations. Oh, this was brilliant because did you see the study where they because bees do this all the time and they stuck little jackets on bees with a little antenna. What? Well, they want to see how bees solve the travelling salesman so problem. So, so, so they so they attach tiny little GPS transmitters to each yeah, bee. Little, yes. little jackets. <laughs> I'm not I'm not kidding. And 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 we had a little backpack and an antenna out the back and the bee buzzed around and then they could see and they could see like how it found to go around flat fly fly flies? They go to flowers, not flies. That's They fly to flowers. They fly to flowers. And but they also have to of course find new flowers, so it'd be buzzing away. And you, if anyone was watching the webcam they'd see some great hand movements by me right now. And it was the cutest experiment ever. Are their little jackets also bl black and black and yellow striped? No. Kind of like you can get bee costumes for pugs and things. No, it kind of more techno. It's sort of like Robo Bee. <laughs> Fine. Um, so bees have their own solution to the travelling cells, yeah. which is presumably fly around a lot. Yeah, but they, they think they they they've evolved quite a good system for dealing with it, which is because obviously otherwise they die. 
Right. Yeah. But uh, even like, but the, even then, it's relatively small numbers of flowers yeah. and groups of things. And the problem with the travelling salesman problem is that as you increase the, the number, the um, how quickly the um, diff- possible different routes that you, that you can go around just goes up hugely. Because if you have two, you have two flowers as one route between them. If you have uh, three flowers, and you can go two different ways. But if you have four flowers, and you, there's lots more ways uh, you can actually go and visit them all. And so. Uh, that's this is a sad problem that it's very hard to scale up a computer to do this sort of problem with lots of with high numbers, but with a quantum computer you can take into account the fact. Remember when I was talking about measuring collapses the wave functions? Mm-hmm. Thing? Well, we we can have in in a, in, a, in a computer we effectively have like the collapsed things we have one and zero. Right. But before we measure it, we can have all we can have different mixtures of one and zero in a quantum computer, and so we can effectively. Um, do lots of different ca- calculations in one go and only get the right answer out at the end. So th- this is something which has been puzzling me for a while. That I, I, I get the the, um, the the general idea that you, you you have your computation and you basically try all possible inputs simultaneously, and that happens um, via mysterious quantum ways. Uh, but how yeah, how do you get the right one at the end? You've got to get a system where your wave function collapses in the right way. If you set your problem up wrong, you get every single possible answer up as well. Ah, th- which, yeah. which is not, not not that useful. Yeah, and not at all. This is all to do with uh, like quantum information theory and quantum algorithms, and these are this, this is something that people have worked very hard on. The most um, famous algorithm is called Shor's algorithm, and that gives you a result for factorizing a number. And this has been done and successfully made a quantum computer that will factorize fifteen. <laughs> But doesn't it only get it right half the time? Yes, that's the other. Well, you, well, but then again, you run it a few times and you, you get the answer quite obviously. Say, it gets the right answer half the time, but it gets different wrong answers the other half of the time, doesn't it? So yeah. you still, if you keep running it, you eventually can get confidence. Uh-huh. And it's still so much faster, it's worth running it multiple times. But I still love the idea of a computer that doesn't even get the answer right all the time. Well, but this, this was the topic of a short story I read a few years ago called Qubit Slip. So a qubit is a quantum bit, one of these bits which is in both states at once. And the pre- premise of this of this uh, short story was, you know, is in the future, and quantum computers are, are completely commonplace, and they've displaced um, regular... Um, Boring our computers, and, and um, Michael is shaking his head here, and making a "that's not going to happen" face. Uh, but um, the, the due to a quote-unquote quantum storm, the distribution of um, the of some kind of uh, fuzzy quantum space gets disrupted, and it's, it's no longer uniformly distributed. So the computers just start giving the wrong answers. Um, your face is pretty unhappy about this. Yeah, firstly, um, quantum computers are only really any good for certain types of problem. I mean, the, you, you wouldn't really want to run a word processor on a quantum computer. I don't know. Um, it's the one thousand, an infinite number of monkeys typing away. It's kind of the same thing, isn't it? Gives the right answer half the time. But, but and, and, th- and this kind of uh, this kind of cosmic event, which makes the distribution of part of of part of particles in in their various states, changes beyond the realms of possibility. I take it. It's hard to even understand what it's actually getting getting at there. I mean, because it's well, like, well, it, basically, it's like saying it could be effectively the equivalent of holding a big magnet next to your actual computer and hard drive, and that would obviously destroy all the data in your hard drive. Right. I, I can only guess that's what that's what he's going for. Except it's doing this to quantum computers instead, right? V- via a, a mechanism which involves some techno babble. Yes. Um, yeah. Okay. 
I, mean, I, think, I think that's about all we have uh, time for today. Um, thank, thanks for joining us, Michael. You're welcome. Um, that, so you, you've been working on, well, obviously, obviously you are uh, the, the co-host of Burst the Bubble, or the, the, the host of Burst the Bubble, um, which also has a podcast, which we can link to in the show notes. Uh, yeah, that's uh, burstthebubble.co.uk, and you can uh, find all of our old shows of that there, comedy news show. Uh, there's also, of course, SciCam. Yeah, SciCam is my new project. It's an online uh, live um, science program. Uh, you can go to the Cambridge University Outreach Network website and you can find it there, or you can search for SciCam. And I realise that it's Sci as in the first three letters of science, not Sci as in the Greek letter or Sci as in Gangnam Style. Um, uh, SciCam. And uh, that's on Facebook and Google+. Plus. Uh, yeah, and if you want to listen to more si- the science of fiction, there's the entire podcast archive now. Does it have this season yet? Yes. Wow, we've we've improved since last week, I believe. It's uh, it's completely up to date. So yeah, you go to scienceoffiction.co.uk and you can download all the past episodes with all the glorious music as well. So yes, um, that's all from us for today. See you at the same time next week. <laughs>